Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA. I'm Joanne Zupka, audit partner in our ERISA service practice. This podcast is an extension of the services that we we offer through BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. The ERISA Center of Excellence, available through BDO.com, touches on all topics to keep plan sponsors and HR professionals up to date. Previously, we discussed the mobile or virtual workforce with Jason Brooks. Many employers have been required to adapt working practices as remote working has become necessary for both the survival of a company and the attraction and retention of employees. So let's talk a little bit about current work trends. It shows that 58% of employees desire the option to be full-time remote employees, while 39% of employees are looking for a hybrid work option, allowing them to work some days in the office and other days at home. So really we have to ask ourselves, what does this mean for businesses, right? How do they handle the payroll and the taxes associated with the payroll? Well. Luckily for everyone, I am not going to be tackling this topic by myself. Joining us today is Ronnie Rizzo, Expatriate Tax and Payroll Service Manager Director. She heads the BDO Global Customized Payroll Solution Board. Um, She specializes in supporting companies to be in compliance with four U.S. payroll reporting and tax withholding obligations. And Ronnie also supports multi-country coordination for seamless global payroll reporting. Ooh, that is a mouthful, but Ronnie, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joanne. I want our, our listeners to, to learn a little bit about you um, before we dive into some of these questions. I know you've had a unique career path, um, so please tell everyone what was your previous career? Okay, thank you. Yeah, so um, when I was straight out of high school, I think many of us know we have no idea what we want to do for the rest of our life. And I was working in the um, hospital at that time as a secretary. So uh, naturally, I thought, well, I can do this. I I will go into nursing school. And I started my career in nursing. Very quickly, I found that nursing was not the path that I wanted to follow for the rest of my life. And I chose to uh, go back to school, get an accounting degree, and um, start the accounting profession. So, you know, as I say, I have gone from working on people's physical health to their financial health, (laughs) Um, both working to support individuals, but in very different ways. And I'm much better at accounting than I was nursing, Joanne. <laughs> well, we are very grateful you decided to make that career change. And that is uh, definitely going from one extreme to the other. Okay, so I want to start with the basics, right? Everyone receives a paycheck and we know that pay that payroll taxes are withheld from that payroll, from that check. But what should companies know about payroll requirements um, when dealing with a workforce that may be in a different location, whether that be domestic or globally? Well, unfortunately, I'm going to start with what may be some scary or deemed as bad news here for employers, because I think a lot of the um, uh, misunderstanding is that it's okay if we just withhold based on what the employee gives us with onboarding. 
So we know that we get those form W-4, send the state equivalent, and companies think I've done my due diligence and, and that's good enough. But unfortunately, the way the law is written is it is the employer's obligation to know where your individuals are physically working and to report and withhold um, payroll accordingly. So what that means for an employer is that it's not enough just to collect forms up front. You need to know where your workforce is physically working, and then you need to report to the locations where it's required and withhold taxes in those locations. And tax law does still largely follow where an individual is physically working, even if that is not where their business is located. Though we know there are some exceptions to that with states like New York who have convenience of employer rules. So just to give an example of that, if an individual is, let's say, um, resident of South Carolina, but physically working in North Carolina, then North Carolina would have the first right to taxation and South Carolina would have a reporting, but would offset withholding with the North Carolina taxes. So a company would technically have a reporting obligation in both South Carolina and North Carolina, and then they would need to determine whether the taxes should be withheld to North Carolina or South Carolina. And that wow. is unfortunately an employer obligation. And that's just one example that you gave. When you think about some large companies and where they're all over the U.S. or even outside, that can get to be uh, very complicated. So. Um, are you seeing like clients being audited with their payroll? Like how are they being held responsible to make sure that they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. So Joanne, this isn't a new issue. It is not a new issue. It has been around since the beginning of taxation. However, with COVID, with the pandemic, we have seen this speed up exponentially because the remote workforce has, um, has has completely shifted. And when it used to be that individuals were hired and physically worked in an office, it was much easier for employers to know where an individual was physically working. But now during the pandemic and post pandemic, we know that the way people will work has shifted and people will work remotely. In fact, people think they can work from anywhere. So now new obligations are being created for employers that they're not completely ready to support. When this individual has just decided, you know what, I've always wanted to live in California, I'll get an Airbnb and work there for two months. Unfortunately, it's the employer's obligation to know that that individual is in California and then do the proper payroll reporting and withholding. And in fact, we are already seeing cases where certain states are looking at this. And you have to understand that all of the taxing authorities are hurting for funds right now. They've taken in less you know, income tax revenue, their unemployment tax systems have been hit. You know, um, They're all struggling for funds right now. And this is an area where states know that companies are not in compliance and that they can raise some revenue and interest and penalties. So looking forward, I absolutely expect to see an increase in these types of audits. And in fact, we're starting to see some come out of New York already. New York is probably one of the most strict because they have a specific law that says that individuals um, 
typically working in New York will be taxed in New York, even if they are non-resident of New York, unless they're working outside of New York at the convenience of the employer. And guess what? If your office is closed for COVID and you've told people to work from home, that does not qualify as convenience of the employer. So a lot of companies are being faced with an obligation to withhold in two states at one time. And you can imagine this is not something that the employees are pleased by um, and companies want to keep their employees happy because we're also going through a war on talent. And so there is pressure to stop withholding in one location or the other. And New York is being very strict about it being their state where you stop the reporting. So yes, certainly we're already seeing audits on this topic and we expect to see an increase in the future as well. So Ronnie, I want to know if there's a certain time frame, right? In the example that you gave, hey, I'm going to get the Airbnb, I'm going out to California, and I'm going to stay there for two months. As you were talking about um, New York or pick any state that it may be, um, is there, you have to be there for more than a week, more than a month? Like what would actually qualify that I've changed my location? Well, Joanne, wouldn't that be the nirvana if we could actually get some taxing authorities to agree on something like that? (laughs) Unfortunately, there is not an easy answer here. Every state is able to make their own tax rules. And with that, they are able to set thresholds. Some states will say 14 days or less. You don't have to worry about a reporting in our state. Some states will say, uh, you know, $3,000 or less. And some states will say one day, $1 in our state creates a reporting obligation. So you actually have to look at each state to determine what the threshold is for that state and when you need to start reporting. Wow, that is crazy. And that really means that somebody at the company needs to be on top of that. So how do companies handle this? Like what's the first step in the process once they kind of know where their employees are? So my recommendation on this is you can get yourself overwhelmed quickly. As you can already tell, this is a very complex topic. And in order to apply the rules, you need to have information. And right now, most companies are in a position where they don't even have the information they need. One of those items being, where are people physically working? So what I tell my clients is the first thing is to stop letting the cart get in front of the horse. Um, You need to put out some communication to your workforce that if they intend to work anywhere other than where they are expected to be located, then they need to make the company aware. I will say that some companies, because they have They have thousands of employees, some companies where, you know, this is just unreasonable for someone to message them every time they have a week trip to, you know, Louisiana. So they may put thresholds in place where they say, okay, anything under 15 days, don't worry about it, but anything over 15 days, you need to let us know. The important thing is that the company needs to get some idea around what level of exposure they're okay with and understand that unlimited exposure is not okay, and that you need to put something in place where individuals know they must communicate to the company if they're gonna travel, or you must have some way of tracking your employees, whether that be your, um, you know, your employee human resource platform, your time entry system, key card access, 
uh, your travel agency, um, if they have to book through a travel agency, you know, there are different ways that you can gather that information, but certainly putting in place a process to know where your employees are is going to be the first step. And then from there, companies should start thinking about creating a policy. So the policy that we had in 2019 pre-pandemic probably does not work for your workforce anymore. In most cases, and as you opened up with, we have 97% of our employee population desiring to have some kind of remote work option. So we know that there are going to be cases where we have other payroll obligations. It is the nature of the way we're going to do business in the future. Um, unless roles are um, on-site critical, people are going to want the option to work remotely. And in fact, you know, the Gen Z and the millennials and even Gen X are much more travel focused and will want this option of working from anywhere. So as we look to the future, we have to put a policy in place that will work for those types of employment options and what is expected of the employees to follow so that the company can do their due diligence and do proper reporting and stay in compliance. So lots to consider, right? And we touched on all the examples that you provided, which were fantastic, is all about within the continental U.S. Can you just touch on briefly what how are the requirements maybe intensified or um, more complex if you have somebody that goes international? Okay, so everything we've talked about, multiply that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we talk about different um, states, we have the 50 states that we have to consider, but now we're talking 200 countries that we have to consider for tax rules, and every country has their own tax rules as well. On top of the tax rules that we need to consider for when a threshold is met, met and when a payroll reporting obligation is met, there are some other items that a company should absolutely consider before allowing individuals to work abroad. I would argue that one of the first things to consider is work authorization. Does this individual have the authorization to work in country? For example, if you think of it the other way, if we had an individual coming from um, you know, Brazil to work in the US, they would be what we call a non-documented worker unless they have a visa that allows them to physically work in the US. And that is even if they continue to work for their Brazilian employer. Because again, tax law is largely based on where you're physically working. And if that individual is physically working in the US, then they should have work authorization. And that is the case for most countries around the world. If you are physically working, even for a company in another country, if you are physically working in that country, then you should have work authorization. And otherwise you're considered a non-documented worker, which could get both the individual and the company into some immigration and legal issues. The next item that I would say is important to consider is the creation of what we call a corporate permanent establishment. So just as we all know with state nexus, having one individual in a state could create nexus in that state, meaning a connection to that state. And our company could be brought into taxation in that state just by having one employee there. 
The same concept applies internationally. We just call it corporate permanent establishment. And if you have one individual working in another country, it could be bringing your company into taxation in the other country. If that's a high tax country, that could mean uh, you know more tax cost for us at a corporate level. It means additional tax filings. It means looking at transfer pricing. It means potentially setting up an entity there, um, having to set up a payroll there. So, you know, there are a lot of things to consider around having or allowing individuals to work remotely. And again, as I said earlier, you've really got to try to get that that cart back behind the horse. (laughs) And don't set precedence by saying yes to one employee. And before you know it, you have, you know, 50 employees, 100 employees all doing the same thing because you let Don Smith do it. You can't now discriminate and not let anyone else do it. So, um, you know, I say at this point, we know this is not something that's ending. It will continue on into the future. And we really need to try to right size (laughs) and and hold back our management teams from just saying, yes, sure, your computer can go with you. You can work from anywhere. And we need to say, hold on, stop. Let's think about this. What does it mean for us from a corporate level? What does it mean from an individual level? And can we actually say yes to this? And you were mentioning early, right, about making sure that you have a policy. Would you recommend two policies, one for within the U.S. and one for global so that it doesn't get so confusing? What we typically see is we will have a global policy. If if your company um, is in multiple countries, mm-hmm. um, we will typically say a global policy with an appendices by country. So hopefully, in most cases, we are we have the same culture across all of our countries as a company, and um, we can agree between all of our companies what we want to do, what we want to allow and where we need to draw the line. And then, of course, within each country, there are specifics that should be addressed. So we usually try to have a high-level policy that's a little bit more generic in nature, but covers all of our um, companies. And then uh, addendum by country to address the country specifics. Okay, there was a lot to unpack in everything that you um, said today, and I think you've given our listeners some some good advice and, and some things to think about, about how to get that cart back behind the horse. As we get ready to wrap up, what is the one thing or a few things that employers should know about this concept of remote yes. working? So if you take away one thing today, the one thing I would say is you have to do something. Unfortunately, we can no longer just stick our head in the sand. Maybe that will work for us for 2020 and 2021. Maybe the taxing authorities will have some leniency because we were thrown into a situation that we were not prepared to be compliant on. But going forward, you have to do something. You need to look at what your current policy is, identify where it no longer works for you where it no longer serves you as a company. You need to communicate to your population so they understand where are the lines. Because let's face it, this is new to all of us. Individuals don't realize that when they're going to Italy to work, they could be creating 
legal issues. They could be creating corporate tax issues. They don't know that. They're not doing it intentionally. So it's up to the company to let them know what is allowed and what isn't allowed because ultimately that obligation and the non-compliance falls back to the company as well. If payroll is not properly reported by the company, the company itself can be held responsible for 100% of the taxes not withheld. So if an individual is subject to tax and there was no withholding, then the company itself could be subject to all of that tax liability. And that is something that we want to get in front of and make sure that we are um, addressing because, as I said, um, this is something that taxing authorities are going to start looking at in the future, knowing that it's an opportunity to raise revenue. That is an excellent point that you raise. And just so that our listeners know that it's back on the employer, it's back on the company. Um, Ronnie, I cannot thank you enough for your time today and sharing your knowledge on this on this area. Um, I do greatly appreciate you joining me today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And to our listeners, if you want to hear about a, a certain topic or you want to send in a question, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we can be reached at BDO Talks Arissa at BDO.com. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks Arissa. Past episodes are available at BDO.com slash BDO Talks Arissa. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at BDOTalksArissa at BDO.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's Arissa Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit BDO.com slash Arissa.